0: The Crucifixion of Jesus Christ according to John the Evangelist in John chapter 19 verses 17 through 37. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him. And with him, two others on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. one part for each soldier, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose shall it be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus, or his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said with a loud voice, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it bore witness, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also might believe For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. And this is the word of the Lord. We are living in days in which everything seems to be crucial to us. Amidst the global pandemic, we even ask ourselves, is it, is it crucial to go to the grocery store today? Or is it crucial to, to go get gas? Is it crucial that we have to leave our house today? We're living in times where things that seem to be crucial aren't crucial anymore. Actually, if we would understand the magnitude of this day, of Good Friday we would understand this and this is the thesis that i want you to understand today and maybe you're not a christian and if you're not a christian i'm going to beg and i'm going to plead with you just like john the evangelist said that he wrote these things so that you may believe and if you are a christian that it would make it crucial again but it's this that the cross is crucial that the cross is crucial For us as Christians, today is crucial, Good Friday. For we even understand that the history and the etymology of the word crucial means cross. You see, this day affects our culture and society in such ways that people don't even understand. People don't even understand why a day like today that you get off of work or a day like today under normal circumstances, kids don't go to school. You see, this day is so crucial that it's affected the society that we live in and we don't even know why. We don't even understand that a word like crucial literally means the cross. And for us as Christians, it's so crucial for us that, that we actually make a couple of errors, you see. That when it comes to the cross, um, we try to do one of a number of things. We, We try to go beyond it. So what we think is we think that the cross is the thing that we need to quote unquote get us saved and then we go on to the deeper things of God. And so I hear Christians say, and they'll ask questions like, well, what do you believe about speaking in tongues? Or what do you believe about the end times? Or what do you believe about this? And our great error is that we go beyond the cross or nowadays, another error is is that we stand above it. And we try to interpret it in a number of fashions. And we, we try to create different atonement theories. And we say, well, well, maybe God didn't mean this, or, or maybe those ancient writers didn't mean this. You see, we can't go beyond it and we can't stand above it. But for us as Christians, we live in it. We live in the cross for the centrality of the New, Testament, uh, the New Testament. And in the Pauline epistles, he says things like, when I was with you, church in Corinth, I preached nothing. I wanted you to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, today, Good Friday, the cross, it is crucial for us. And so what I want to do is I want us to look at the cross of Christ. I want us to see the method of the cross. I want us to see the man that is on the cross. And I want to see what the message of the cross is. And listen, just to be very clear and upfront with you, I'm going to ask you to make a decision at the end of this. And I just want you to have your heart and your mind open to the understanding of why this day is so crucial, why the cross is crucial for Christians. So we see the method of the cross, the way in which Jesus was executed. We know a lot about this execution style The Roman government in which Jesus lived during that era did not invent crucifixion. We know actually about um, 500 years BC, we know that the Persians were the first ones to ever crucify. But history tells us that the Romans perfected it that literally that it was so painful and so horrible, the word that we have in our English language, uh, excruciating, excruciating pain, the word excruciating means from the cross, that this method, and John uses the word cross or crucified in these verses eight times. John wants us to know that the centrality of this, that we have to know the method of crucifixion and the agony that Jesus went through. It wasn't just physical. It was emotional. It was psychological. You see, the pain that Jesus endured started the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, Jesus was going to be betrayed by a close friend. Do you know what betrayal feels like? Have you ever entrusted your life to someone and then had them only to hurt you? Jesus knows that pain. And then Judas makes a deal and they come that night to take Jesus away. But right before they come, Jesus is praying in the garden and he is going through so much agony that he is sweating Great drops of blood, the scripture tells us. And we know this, that stress in the mind shows itself in the body. So Jesus is already undergoing agony and pain. And then he walks two to three miles only to be thrown into a Roman prison cell, which we know through history was horrible with rats and previous prisoners' defecation and urine there in the cell. Jesus has a sleepless night there in that cell while he is illegally tried. For you see, all of this took place in darkness that has great significance to show how dark this is. And then as it begins, there were three levels of scourging. Jesus got the worst. We know that they used something like the cat of nine tails, which would have been leather straps that would have had either metal, bone, or glass on the end. And the person that was being scourged was laid over a stump with their back exposed, completely naked, and they were whipped over and over and over again, literally to tenderize the meat. History records that some men didn't even live through the scourging and that as As they were being beat, that ribs would fly out. Jesus is undergoing all of this. And then we know through history that that when Jesus carried his cross, he didn't carry the full cross like we see in movies. Jesus carried what was known as the cross bar. And that would have weighed anywhere from 75 to 125 pounds. And so Jesus now with his back exposed and bleeding and open wounds has a piece of 125 pound wood wrapped around his arms. And now he's carrying this up the hill. We know through the scriptures that when Jesus is on his way to Golgotha that Jesus falls to the ground. Because he at this point, his body is going through shock. His blood is starting to thicken. And we know that when he falls, he would have been openly exposed. And medical doctors examining this would have known. Now they say that Jesus would have experienced a heart contusion, literally a bruising of the heart. They said that that would have been equivalent that if you were into a car wreck and you were shoved into your steering wheel open on your chest. And so now he has a crown of thorns shoved onto his head. He's carrying the crossbar. He's bleeding profusely. He falls to the ground. His heart is now bruised. And then they get to the top of Golgotha. And there we know through history that Jesus wouldn't have had the railroad spikes pierced through his hands for that wouldn't have held up the weight of a man, that Jesus probably more than likely had them pierced through his wrist or his forearms. And so he has seven inch railroad spikes pierced through his arms and through his feet and he is stretched out on the cross. Here's what we know about crucifixion, that they didn't die through blood loss, but they died through asphyxiation. Because the, see, the way in which you were stretched out on the cross, that there was a little seat that was beneath the feet of the person that was being crucified. So imagine this, you have railroad spikes pierced through your feet, nailed to a piece of wood and now you have to push up with your bloody exposed back in order to gasp for breath, And we know that Jesus does this for close to six hours. History tells us that there would have been defecation and urination there at the bottom of the cross for you lose all bodily control. We know that this was so bad that in the horrible chance that a woman was crucified, that a woman was crucified facing the cross because it was so excruciating, nobody could look her in the face. And there the whole time Jesus is being mocked. He's being spit on. And then when Jesus gives up his life, when Jesus gives up his life, Right before that, he says, I thirst. And it says that there was a sponge that had sour wine that was given to Jesus. We know through history that that sponge was a sponge that the Roman soldiers used to cleanse themselves after they went to the bathroom. The mockery that's taking place. And then when Jesus gives up his spirit... He had a spear shoved into his side, piercing the heart sac, and we see the blood and the water pour out. The method of the cross is not something that we can just look over. We need to know every second of how horrible this is and to not look away, and to not look away. And you say, Jason, why? why do we have to know about the method of this? Listen to me, the method of crucifixion shows the magnitude of our sin and the magnitude of God's love what we see, the brutality that takes place shows the magnitude of sin and what it costs for us. And we don't have to argue about this for we know that the whole world is broken and we see that everything's going on in society and everybody tries to have an answer to say that it's not that bad. But listen to me, it is so broken and our world is so entangled in sin that we have parades for things that we should have funerals for. And when we look at the magnitude and how horrible this this method of crucifixion is, we see two things. We see our sin, and then we see the power of God's love over it. The cross is crucial. But it's not just the method of that. It's the man. Do you see what John says? He he lets us know about that Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It's there's no way to describe with words theologically what's taking place here. Very God from God. Very light from light. But not just theologically, just think from a humanity standpoint. Jesus was wrongly tried. Why, why was Jesus crucified? He wasn't crucified for feeding hungry people and doing miracles and raising people from the dead. Listen to me, Jesus was crucified because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Don't get it wrong, friends. Don't let Time Magazine or the History Channel try to teach you that we don't know why Jesus was crucified. Jesus was crucified because he said, only God can forgive sins and your sins are forgiven. Jesus claimed to be God. That's why they nailed him to a cross. And then when we understand the magnitude of very God from God, very light from light, this Jesus, there's only one passage of scripture that can even begin to let us understand who this Jesus is. Paul in Colossians says this, that he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything in him might be pre. Imminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of the cross this is God friends and do you know what we did with God on Good Friday we murdered him we murdered him as Peter would stand up in the book of Acts and say, this Jesus whom you have crucified. You see, friends, we do not have innocent hands in this. We do not have innocent hands in this. For this man gave up his life for my sake and for your sake. And this is what we understand to be the message of the cross the message of the cross. The cross is like a diamond that we could hold this this diamond up and get many different colors and many different facets of light coming through it. But there is one thing that the scriptures make very clear. John says it three times to fulfill the scriptures, to fulfill the scriptures. And then Jesus yells out, it is finished. What's finished? What is to be fulfilled? Listen, there is one resounding chord all through the New Testament. And it is this, that Jesus Christ died for sin. That Jesus Christ died in my place and in your place. The gospel summed up very simply is this, Jesus in my place. Because listen, this is the good news and the message. That listen, the gospel doesn't start with sin. The story of the Bible doesn't start with sin. The story of the Bible starts with God and it starts with goodness. And we see this God that creates everything and says that it's good and that it's good and that he creates our first parents, Adam and Eve, in his image and likeness. And we believe that every human being has worth, that every human being has value, that you matter. But rather than worship God, our first parents wanted to be God and they went around God's ways. And we know from that moment that they believe the lie that the enemy said that you can be like God. Dear friends, that's our problem. That's your problem. That's my problem is that we don't wanna worship God. We wanna be God and that when God intervenes into our life and into our schedule and says to live this way, we nail him to a cross. And so there, God says, our first parents, Adam and Eve, says that we were naked, so we hid, that they ran from God. Humanity's been running from God ever since. But listen to how good and kind our God is. That our God says, Adam, where are you? That he chases. We believe that God is chasing you now. It's why you're watching this. We believe right now the circumstances of your life are coming to this crucial moment where you're hearing this news that the world is broken and that sin is real, but that God's love is even greater than all of that. And we see all the way in Genesis that God sacrifices an animal and covers up our first parents, covers up their nakedness and their shame with animal skins. And then we see... We see a resounding tone all through the scriptures. We see Abram who then becomes Abraham. God provides a sacrifice. Then we see the prophets and then we see the Exodus where the people are in slavery and God uses the blood from a lamb that it's slain over the doorpost, and the angel of death passes over. You see friends, we see that there's always a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice. There's always blood that is shed. And then this God, this God is so loving and so kind that he says no more sacrifices. But I'm writing myself into the story. You see, friends, this, here's the essence of sin. The essence of sin is that we substituted ourselves for God. And the essence of the gospel is God substituting himself for us. This is why it's called good It's Good Friday because Jesus died so we didn't have to. So listen to me. Do you know this? Do you know the beauty of the cross? Do you know that there's a God who loves you and who gave himself up for you in your place? And listen, dear friends, do you know the magnitude of your sin? Here's what I want to ask you to do in closing. Some of us don't know how crucial the cross really is. And for the first time, this is making sense to you. Dear friends, the answer to what you feel right now is to repent. It's to turn from your sins and the wicked way in which you live and to trust Christ because Jesus is there with nail-pierced hands saying, I died in your place, that the shame and the guilt that you have, you don't have to have anymore. And so what I want you to do is this. There's a very ancient prayer that we know that goes back thousands of years, that it's called the Jesus Prayer. And what it very simply states is this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen, if you have never confessed that you are a sinner in rebellion towards God and that you would rather be God than worship God, I'm just gonna very simply ask you to just repeat this where you're at. Listen, your faith is not in a prayer. We don't believe in incantation and we don't believe in magic. We don't believe that if you repeat this right, then God will save you. What we believe is that God grants the the gift of repentance and grace and faith right now where you're at. And that this is just scaffolding for you to deal with in this moment to confess your sins to God. So right where you're at, would you close your eyes and lift your hands And repeat these words after me Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Dear friends, we want you to know that the cross is crucial and that we cannot have a resurrecting morning unless we have a crucifixion Friday, that Jesus died for sin, that the addiction that you feel, that the shame and the guilt and the pride that plagues our lives has no power over the cross of Jesus Christ. If you've prayed this for the first time and if you feel that you understand the cross for the first time, we want you to just very simply message our Facebook page right where you're at. You can call the church. You can get in contact with us because we want you to know that there is freedom in the cross of Jesus Christ. Would you respond in song with us?